1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, we're just going to kind of uh, spend some time in, in the book of 1 Corinthians and go through this book. There is a lot of really, really good, um, this is, all the Bible's good, right? Um, but Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, um, a lot of what Paul wrote is really relevant for us today. It's relevant always, but I think it's a, it's a timely letter for the church uh, today. Um, Father, we just thank you for your word, and we ask, God, that you would, by your spirit, open our hearts and our minds to your word. God, even as we will see today and as the scripture declares to us, Lord, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And I pray, God, that through the power of your word and the power of your spirit, you would, Lord, bring transformation to our hearts and to our minds, that you would be glorified as we are being conformed to the very image of the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Thank you for that power that is working that together in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the message of the cross uh, is what we're talking about. Um, Paul, in this letter, writes, he pins these words. He said, for I determined, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, he said, I came with one message. I didn't come in worldly wisdom. I didn't come with excellence of speech. I didn't come with persuasive words and persuasive arguments. He said, I came very simply in the knowledge of Christ, proclaiming to you as a witness, not as a salesman, not trying to convince you or sell you something, but as a witness, declaring the truth of this message to you. And it is not my persuasive abilities, but it is the power of God that will bring you to faith and cause you to believe. And so the message that God has chosen to reveal is the message of the cross. And the message of the cross is nothing more than the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And there is no other message that we are commanded to preach. And this is why Paul, as you read in the New Testament, he will say things like this, if anyone comes to you with another message, another gospel, doesn't matter if it's a human, an angel, doesn't matter who it is and what they're able to do, if they are proclaiming to you another gospel, it's not the gospel. And so there's one message that we've been commanded to proclaim, and it is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is the message of the cross. This is the power of of God to salvation for all who believe and for all who are born of God. So Paul says this, he writes this in the letter to the Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. And then John the Apostle, turn, turn over to 1 John. Let's look at 1 John. Turn there. Briefly, hold your place there in 1 Corinthians. 1 John is in the back of your book just before Revelation. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. John pins these words, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God this morning? 
Are you born of God? Are you born again? This is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking to Nicodemus in John 3. He says, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And then John writes later on in this letter, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So what, what is John communicating there? We've got to link these thoughts together. We've got to link these truths together. If you, if you are born of God, you believe Jesus is the Son of God. If you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, you're not born of God. And I'm not talking about just, oh yeah, I know that's what the Bible says, so I think I'll, I think I'll just say that too. That's not the kind of believing the devil believes, but the devil's not saved, right? So to believe, to have faith, we go back to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul says, look, I didn't come to you convincing you of something. I came to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And it is that Spirit and it is that power that brings you to faith and causes you to believe. And it is the new birth. That's what happens when you believe. When you're born again, you believe. Jesus is the Son of God, and whatever has been born of God overcomes the world. So you have a promise from God that you will overcome. It's not a promise that says, I never will have difficulty in the world. See, because we've bought false gospels and false messages, and because we've fallen in love with having our ears tickled, we have caused men to to forget and to be confused that the promise to overcome doesn't mean that we're never going to go through hard things in our life. The promise that we will overcome means in spite of the hard things that we go through in life. And some of you know just how hard life can be. The promise of overcoming is not having a life without hardship, the promise of overcoming is in spite of my hardship, in, in, in the face and the reality of my hardship, God has promised I will overcome. I'll overcome everything. I'll overcome every hardship. That means I'll go through. I'll come through. Not by my own strength and not by my own power, but by the power that has caused me to believe and to trust the power that has caused me to be born of God, the power that has brought me out of death and into life, out of darkness and into light. So the message of the cross is revealed by the Spirit. And the message of the cross is embraced by the mind of Christ. These are two main thoughts we're going to talk about today from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So it's through the message of the cross that the gospel of Christ that we come to faith. It's through this message. This is why God commands us to preach the gospel because this is the message that brings men to faith. This is the power of God that saves men. So faith in God originates from the power of God. Faith in God is sustained 
by the power of God. And faith in God overcomes the world by the power of God. So your faith originates from God, it is sustained by God, and it overcomes the world by God and His power. So the message of the cross overcomes human weakness. Paul says, I came to you in weakness. The message of the cross overcomes our weakness. It's not how strong you feel, it's how strong God is in spite of your weakness. In fact, Jesus Christ told the Apostle Paul, Jesus said, Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And, and after that revelation was given to Paul, here's what Paul says, I will therefore glory, I will revel in my weakness and in my infirmities, because in my weakness God's strength is made perfect. So the message of the cross overcomes human weakness. The message of the cross overcomes human wisdom. Have you ever had someone say to you, you know what, this just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense in a worldly or in a human sense because this isn't about human logic and worldly logic. This is about something supernatural. This is about something, a truth that supersedes, that transcends the natural. That's why it's called supernatural. Your birth in Christ, your spiritual birth is not a natural thing. There's, there's no science book that can explain it to you. There's nothing of this natural order that can explain what happens when a person is born again. It's supernatural. And if you try to figure it out naturally and understand it naturally, you're going to be confused and frustrated, and eventually you're going to say, eh, you know what, I don't think it's real. So the message of the cross overcomes human wisdom. That's why it's not, it's not by the will of man or by the power of man's intellect that he comes to believe. It's the power of God overcoming human wisdom, overcoming human weakness that brings men to faith through the preaching of the gospel. And the message of the cross overcomes the world. This is what John writes. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is what overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith. So let's talk about this. The Spirit of God reveals the message of the cross. If it's the message of the cross that saves us, it's not our natural ability to see it, to figure it out, to comprehend it. It's not our natural ability to do that that saves us. It is the Spirit of God working through the message of the cross, the gospel that saves us. This is what Paul is teaching us in the Scripture. This is what the Holy Spirit is teaching us from the Scripture. That's why Paul said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The knowledge of God, the knowledge of the things of God is revealed to men through the Spirit of God. So let's just... Let's just begin reading. Let's start at chapter 2, verse 1 again, and let's read a few verses here. Read with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness 
in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration and of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us, look at this, how through his spirit. Not our natural eye, not our natural ear, not by the power of the intellect of natural man, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what? Man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Christian, you have not received the spirit of the world if you have been born again of God, but the spirit who is from God. When you were born again, this, this is what Paul is saying. When you were born again, you didn't receive the spirit of the world. You received the spirit that comes from God. That why? Why did God give you his spirit? That we might know. Why did God give you his spirit? That you might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Why did God give you His Spirit, born again, child of God? So that you would know the things that have been freely given to you by God. That word might, I want you to strike that from your mind. And the reason I say that is because that word might there really is not even in the text. Because my modern, I've told you this before, when I hear the word might, it, it creates in me a, a, an uncertainty. I might or I might not. That's not what the Scripture's communicating. God didn't send the, world, the Son into the world that the world through Him might be saved. It might or it might not be. That's not what that word means. God sent His Son into the world to save. It's a done deal. There's no question about what Jesus did when he went to the cross and he died for us and he said it is finished. He didn't say it might be finished. We're, we're going to wait and see whether it's finished or not. No, it's finished, period. This word might, that, that, that men might, that you might know. In other words, it's not a maybe so, it's a certainty that you will know. The Spirit of God was given to you so that you will certainly know the things that God has freely given to you. 
So you need to, if, if, if that word might creates a hope so, maybe so, a question in your mind, take that out. Because that's not what the original, that's not what this is communicating. This is not maybe so, it's certainly so. God gave you the Spirit so that you would absolutely, certainly know the things that God has freely given to you. So the Spirit of God reveals the message of the cross. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might, that we will know the things that have been freely given to us by God. This is how our language gets messed up. It's kind of like the word gay. The word gay, nobody wants to use it anymore because the meaning's been changed to mean something that it wasn't originally meant to be. It means happy. It has nothing to do with your sexual orientation. All right? Might, the word might here doesn't have anything to do with creating doubt. Maybe it will, maybe it won't reveal to you the things that God has freely given. No. The Spirit was given so that you would certainly know that you will know the things that God has given freely. Amen? So the message God has chosen to reveal to the world is the message of the cross. And the way that he has chosen to reveal it is through his Spirit, through his Spirit, by the preaching of men. Say, why would God do that? I don't know. I'm not God. God could have sent angels flying around in the atmosphere. God could have just put it inside of you. God could have caused the animals to preach the gospel. But God chose men. He chose the foolishness of the preaching of men. This is why, this is why Paul says, man, to the Greeks, this message is foolishness. Just the whole thing doesn't make sense to them. And so the message of the gospel is revealed through the Spirit by the preaching of men. The things God has freely given to us in Christ are made known to us through His Spirit. They're not known or received by the natural man because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, flesh cannot receive the things of the Spirit, and flesh will never become spiritual. So this is what a lot of people, I think, whether they consciously or subconsciously believe that somehow coming to church and hearing the preaching and trying to live a good moral life, I'm making myself spiritual. No, you can't make yourself spiritual. Only God can make that which was not spiritual become spiritual. And and God never intended flesh to become spiritual. God intended flesh to be crucified so that you could be born again, raised up in the spiritual life of his son. Spirit is spiritual. Flesh is flesh. The Bible says flesh is sinful. That's it. Spirit is spiritual. How does God know us? Does he know us in the flesh? 2 Corinthians teaches us. 2 Corinthians five sixteen through 17. God doesn't know us. In the flesh. Why? Because my flesh is sinful and my flesh has been crucified with Christ. Count it dead. Consider it dead. God knows me where? In the Spirit, because I am joined in the Spirit in His Son. I have become one in Christ. And so the point of coming to church, being discipled, learning the Scriptures, not learning how to manage your sinful behavior. If I can just behave better, I'll become more spiritual. No, you won't. You'll just be a very well-behaved, 
fleshly person who is unacceptable to God because you're in the flesh and not in the spirit. God didn't accept your flesh because it's well-behaved. He just doesn't accept flesh plain and simple because flesh is sinful. It has nothing to do with how your flesh behaves. Flesh is sinful. It needs to be crucified, buried, so that you can be raised in the life of the Son of God. That's the good news. And so, this is what the Spirit of God is revealing to us. He's not giving me power to make my flesh spiritual. He's giving me power to rightly discern what the gospel is and what's required of me to die be crucified so that God can raise me up in newness of life. And I'm acceptable now to God because I've been born again of the Spirit. And now the Spirit in me, the Spirit that's from God that lives in me, He has revealed something to me. He is now causing me to grow in my understanding or my knowledge of what has taken place. And so this is why Paul says the natural man or the unregenerate man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. In fact, he says, nor can he know them. He can't know. It's not that he, he doesn't want to know them, first of all, but it's not even if he, if he wanted to know them, the, the, re, the reality is he can't know them. He cannot know them. Why? Because they are only known spiritually in the spiritual realm. They're only spiritually discerned. He is of the wrong order. He's flesh, and flesh cannot understand, investigate, discern spirit. They're two different things. It's kind of like if we turned all the lights off in this room... There would be darkness in here. It would be dark. But the moment we turn the lights on, listen, the moment the light comes, the darkness flees. They they don't exist together. You can't have light and darkness. There's there's not any darkness there. Look into that light bulb. The darkness is gone. There are two different orders. There are two different things. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Who did that? God did that by his power, by his spirit. And so the natural man cannot know, cannot receive the things of the spirit because they are spiritually discerned. That's what verse 14 says of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So the revelation of the cross is the revealing of Christ to the heart of man through the power of the spirit of God so that we would know the things freely given to us by God. And so the wisdom of this age or the wisdom of this world says that is just foolishness. It cannot comprehend, it cannot grasp the wisdom of God in the cross of Christ. So let's look at three things here when we talk about this revealing of the message of the cross by the Spirit of God. Look, Go back up to verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, however we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age. So we've got, we've got different kinds of wisdom here. We've got a wisdom of God and we've got a wisdom of the age or a wisdom of the world, right? 
He said, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking to you about the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of this age. I'm talking about another kind of wisdom, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Listen, if you're worried about all the rulers of this age and what they're doing, here's what the Bible says is happening to them. They're coming to nothing. It's like the song we sang, the kings of this earth, they come and go like the tide. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about what their threats are. Don't worry about them. They're going to come and they're going to go like the tide. They're in the palm of God's hand. God is in control of the kings of this earth. He turns their heart like the course of a river, the Bible says. Why are we worried about the kings of this world, the kings of this earth? They are coming to nothing. That's their destiny. That's that's what God is bringing them to. He's bringing them to nothing. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. But we who are Christ, we who have been born again of the Spirit, we are eternal. And the promise God has given to us is an eternal promise. They come, they go, we stay forever. We remain forever where? In Christ. You didn't do that. I didn't do that. The power of God did that. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So the wisdom of the cross was ordained before the ages for our glory. Have you ever thought about that? The wisdom of the cross was ordained before the ages for our glory. On Wednesday night, we just began the Gospel of John. And we spent Wednesday night on the first three verses of John's Gospel. And the very first verse of of the Gospel of John is, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was. In the beginning existed the Word. That means before the beginning of creation, before the creation of the ages, before the creation of anything you can see anything you can imagine that's created before anything existed, the Word, the Logos, God. And the Logos said, let there be light. And he spoke into existence everything that is here. In fact, there is nothing that is made that was made apart from him. Nothing. So the wisdom of the cross was ordained before the ages for our glory. Look at Colossians. Turn over real quick to Colossians, the first chapter. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations. Same mystery Paul's writing about here. from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Who has it been revealed to? Has it been revealed to everybody? No. It's been revealed to his saints. Why hasn't it been revealed to everybody? Because if you're... What's it mean to be a saint? Does that mean that some church somewhere makes a certificate and says, now you're a saint because you did lots of good works through your life and we voted you a saint? No. What is, how does the Bible de- define a saint? Anyone who is born again, 
who is a child of God is called a saint. It has nothing to do with your works. It has everything to do with the work of Christ on the cross. Being a saint has nothing to do with your works. It has everything to do with the work of Christ. So if you have become a partaker of that work, a partaker of the divine nature of God through the work of the cross, through faith in Jesus Christ, you are his saint. And he has made known to you this mystery. Otherwise, you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't have faith. So who has he made it known to? He's made it known to his saints. Why? Because everybody else, the unregenerate, cannot know it. They can't know it. Just like darkness is not light, and light is not darkness. The unregenerate cannot know the things of God. They can't know this mystery. God hid it from them. To them, to the saints, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, here's the mystery. What's the mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery that was hidden before the ages for our glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why, saint of God, do you have the hope of glory today? Is it because of your good works? Is it because you're faithful to come to church? Is it because you give lots of money to God? No. You have the promise of glory because of what Christ has done, because Christ dwells in you. Christ in you is the hope of your glory. You didn't pay for that. You didn't work for that. You didn't earn that. That was given to you by grace through the power of God. End of story right there. If it's not by grace, then it's of works. And if it's of works, it's not grace any longer. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make that up. The cross is the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Do you know what that means? It means Jesus crucified was not a plan B. I've actually heard this taught. That, you know, God had this great plan and the man just messed it up. And then God had to figure out what he was going to do. So he decided, he looked at his son, he said, Son, man just messed up the plan. Are you willing to go and clean this mess up? Yes, Father, I am. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. There, there never was any other plan except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus on the cross is not plan B. If God, if, if, if it really happened that way, then God's not who he says he is. Some people say, well, you know, God limits his knowledge. No. Just like it's impossible for God to lie, it's impossible for God to limit his knowledge. You know why? Because the Bible says he is the omniscient God. If it, if it were possible for God to limit his knowledge, then it would be possible for God to lie. You say, no, God can't lie because he is the truth. Well, listen, God can't limit his knowledge because he has the knowledge of all things. How can he limit that? He can't. So it always was and always will be before the ages began, Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's no other plan. That's why there's no other message that we're commanded to preach. So it's God's foreordained plan that we be conformed 
to Christ and we be glorified in Christ through the wisdom and the work of the cross. Turn over to the book of Romans. Turn back a few pages to Romans 8, 28. We quote this scripture all the time. It's a great scripture and it's a great promise. But let's read it in, in a greater context. Well, let's, let's begin in verse 27 because that's even better. We'd go back to the whole beginning, first part of the letter, and that'd be even better, but we don't have time for that. Let's, Romans eight twenty seven. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's your God. That's the Spirit you receive from God that's in you right now. He is right now praying and making intercession on behalf of you right now. Last night, while you were sleeping sound in your bed, the Spirit of God on the inside of you was not sleeping. He was ever making intercession according to the will of God for you. That's what He does inside of you all the time. It's not dependent on what you say or what you think or whether you activate it or not. Listen, you don't activate the Spirit. You are dead in your sin. You are darkness. It's the spirit that came into you and activated you and activated me and took me from death and brought me into life, took me from darkness and made me light. Now I'm commanded to walk as a child of light because it's the spirit of God in me that's activated me, that's brought me to life. He never stops praying. He never stops interceding. He always prays and intercedes according to the will of God on your behalf. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, He always does. Always, always, always does He do that. That's the grace and the goodness of God. God did that for us. He put His Spirit in us so that that Spirit in us would be constantly praying on our behalf, according to the will of God. Why? Why would the Spirit always be praying according to the will of God? Well, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. How does that happen? Well, I'm just lucky, I guess. No, you're not lucky. You're not lucky. You're not lucky at all. It's the Spirit of God on the inside of you praying, interceding, According to the will of God. It's the Spirit of God on the inside of you. It's the Spirit of God, period. It's God, period, that is working all things together for good to those that love Him and are the called according to His purpose. Who loves Him? Those He loved first, 1 John 4, 19. Who's called? Those whom He's called. Those who He called out of death into life. Those who He called out of darkness into light. If you're a saint, if you're born again, if you're trusting in Jesus, you're called, I promise you. And the promise of God is that it is the Spirit and the power of God that's working all of these things together in your life for good. But let's keep reading. Don't stop there. Four. Why is the four? You need to figure out what the four is there for, right? Four. God is doing this for whom he foreknew. Oh, wait a minute. The message of the cross was preordained. It was predetermined. It was foreordained. And whom he foreknew, who's he talking about? Those who are called, those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Those who God is making sure that everything happening in their lives is working together for good. How's that being brought about? It's being brought about by the Spirit of God who's leading and guiding 
all things according to the will of God. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, Paul says, let's not stop there. Whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Who is doing the calling? Who is doing the justifying? Who is doing the glorifying? Who's doing? God is. God is. God is. What then? Did I leave that out? These he also glorified. Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do you have the hope of glory? Because Christ is in you. What is God's promise? That you will be glorified with the Son. When? After God watches you a while and figures out whether you got it right or not? No. Who, who, when, when did God determine this? This is important, church. This is really important. Because there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of people going to church, walking through life, trying to make themselves holy, trying to make themselves good enough for God, trying to make themselves live up to a standard they're never going to live up to, hoping that one day they'll get to be glorified with Jesus, but they're just never going to be sure... And you're never going to be sure if it's up to you. But if it's up to you, the news isn't very good, is it? It's not up to you. That's why Paul says, I came to you, I didn't know anything except Christ and Him crucified. I don't have another message for you. The message I bring is not in my power, it's in the power of God. Your faith, your belief, your trust in Jesus is the manifestation. That is the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. Because you didn't come to trust Him on your own. You didn't come to trust Him because you thought it was a good idea and I think I'll try Jesus. No, that's not how it works. If you came to trust Him by the power of God, then you, you will overcome the world. You're going to overcome everything. Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Moreover, who he predestined, these he also called, these he justified, these he glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me ask you that question again. If God is for us, who can be against us. We could read the rest of that chapter in Romans and Paul says, who, who therefore can bring a, a charge against God's elect? And the answer is, no one can. There's no charge to bring to them. Because they didn't get where they were because of what they did. They got where they were because of what God did. If it's based on what I did, you can bring a charge against me. Who's going to bring a charge against God? There is no one to bring a charge against God because there is no one above God. I've got to move on. So the wisdom of the cross was ordained before the ages for our glory. The work of the cross is revealed to us 
through His Spirit. Now look at this. Let me just skip on down. Look at verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through... You might have a version that says, a translation that says, by... The correct understanding is through. Matter of fact, if you could go back to the original language, the Greek word there is not the, the word that's often translated by, in, with, or for. It's, it's E-N. It's another word, and this other word means through. It means the channel through which. And this word reveal here is the same word that we get the title of the book of Revelation from, apocalypse. Today, the word apocalypse, if I say apocalypse, what do you guys think of? Huh? Yeah. How many of you think of zombies? Yeah. That's not what that word means. See, here again is a modern-day perversion of our language. The word apocalypse has nothing to do with zombies. It has nothing to do with the Antichrist. It has nothing to do with, with any of that stuff. The word apocalypse is applied to the book of Revelation, it's called the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The point of that book has nothing to do with the things that we make it have to do with. We major on the minors when it comes to the book of Revelation. We get caught up in the, the, the hype. The point of the book of Revelation is that that word apocalypse means to take the lid off. It means to uncover What it literally says, the literal title of John's book is the uncovering of Jesus Christ. Here, Paul writes and he says, God has uncovered what? He has uncovered the things that God has prepared for us, the work of the cross, the things that he had prepared before the ages to be done through Jesus Christ. God has uncovered them How? Through his spirit. People say, I tried reading the Bible and I don't understand it. That's because the Bible's not a natural book, it's a supernatural book. It's a spiritual book. And if you're trying to, with your flesh, understand spiritual things, we've already read, you cannot do that. It's impossible. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to do it. So God has revealed, he has uncovered the work of the cross through his spirit. He's revealed it to us. That word us in verse 10 refers to the saints. So the spirit is the channel through which we initially come to see Christ revealed before us and in us. It's the uncovering through the spirit. I'm hurrying. Look at verse 11. For what man knows... Now look at this. So we have an uncovering through the Spirit. Now we're going to talk about an understanding that comes in the Spirit. So the provision of the cross is made known to us, or the understanding or the comprehension comes in the Spirit. Verse 11, For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is, where? In him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the 
Spirit of God. Now, now, now we have received not the Spirit of the world now. That word now is important. Now, in Christ. We don't receive the Spirit of the world. We receive the Spirit that's from God. Why? So that we would know the things that have been freely given to us by God. How do we know if we're in the Spirit or not? Keep your place. Let's turn back to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So if you have received the Spirit that is from God, if Christ dwells in you, you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. Says who? Says the Bible. I'm going to believe what the Bible says, okay? Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, guess what? You don't belong to Christ. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, that means you haven't been born again. That means you're unregenerate. That means, try as you might, you're never going to understand spiritual things because they are not naturally understood but spiritually discerned. So the provision of the cross is made known to us where? In the Spirit, or we could say in Christ. So it's in the Spirit that we grow to understand the provision of Christ and Christ crucified. It's in the Spirit that we grow up in Him in all things. And this is Ephesians 4.15 where Paul says we're coming to this place of growing up into Him in all things. So the message of the cross redeems us by the Spirit and by the power of God, not by the wisdom of man. So the wisdom of the cross was predetermined before the ages for our glory. The work of the cross is uncovered to us through the Spirit of God. And the provision of the cross is known by us in the Spirit of God. We have received the Spirit from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God has made known to us so that we can declare to others that they too may be saved by the power of God and become His disciples. Why did God reveal it to you? So that you could declare it to others. Not that you can reveal it to others because you can't reveal it to anyone. Only the Spirit has the power to reveal it. But you have not only the ability and the power to declare it, but you have the command to declare it. And when you declare as a witness the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not you revealing to anybody. It's through the power of the declared word that the Spirit of God now will uncover the work of the cross and save people through the preaching of the gospel. One last thing. Let's look at the last two verses here, verse 15 and 16. Well, let's read 14, 15, and 16. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Underline that word discerned. But, you see a connection of thought here, but he who is spiritual, so we're contrasting natural men and spiritual man. But he who is spiritual judges, underline that word judges, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged. Underline that word judge. He himself is rightly judged by no one. 
The word discerned, the word judges, and the word judge, those are all three the same word. They all mean exactly the same thing. So how are we to understand what is being written here? Let's look at the last verse. For, there's the connection to to what Paul is writing here. For, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ, what is the mind of Christ? What does it mean, we have the mind of Christ? We could say this, the mind of Christ is fixed on the wisdom of the cross for its glory, the work of the cross and its power to save, and the provision of the cross and the things freely given to us by God that we might grow up in Him into all things. Now let me read to you the last three verses from another translation. This is... uh, This is an expanded translation by a guy named Kenneth Wiest. Kenneth Wiest is a world-renowned Greek scholar. I'm not a world-renowned Greek scholar, but let me read you. Have you ever read that? Yet he himself, he who is spiritual judges all things. That word judges, doesn't that carry a negative connotation to you? Don't judge me. I mean, that's not, that's not what that's talking about. It's a form of that word. But what that word really means, it means to discern. That's why it's translated, they are spiritually discerned. Or we could say they're spiritually judged. But we understand the connotation of discern better than judge. He who is spiritual judges all things. Does that mean I have the right to judge you? Say, oh, you know, you, man, you're kind of, you know, you're sinful. Does that mean I have the right to judge you? That's not what this is saying. What do we talk, what's Paul talking about here? He's saying, look, the world doesn't understand the wisdom of the cross. The world doesn't understand what God's doing. The world doesn't understand you because you're spiritual. You're not of the world anymore. They're trying to understand something they cannot understand. Now God, through the power of the Spirit, has given you the power and the ability to understand things that you could not understand before. So, let me read this translation to you, then we're going to close. But the unregenerate man of the highest intellect attainments does not grant access to the things of the Spirit of God. For to him they are folly and he is not able to come to know them because they are investigated in a spiritual realm. But the spiritual man investigates indeed all things. That's that word judges. He investigates all things. But he himself is not being probed by anyone. For he who has come to know experientially the Lord's mind, he who will instruct him. Or who will instruct the Lord? This is a, it's a rhetorical question. No one's going to re- instruct the Lord. But as for us, Christ, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So this is not a question of accountability, but a question of discernment. We cannot, what Paul is saying is we cannot be discerned by the unregenerate of this world. You get upset because the world talks about Christians judges Christians, misunderstands Christians. We say, why can't they get it right? Listen, give them a break. They can't get it right because they cannot understand spiritual things. Jay Leno, David Letterman, John Daly, any of these guys, they, they, 
Don't get mad at them. They literally cannot get it right. This is exactly what Paul is saying here. Listen, they cannot discern us. They can't understand us because they're unregenerate. But we, on the other hand, we have the mind of Christ. Instead of us getting upset at them because they don't understand us, we ought to have pity on them and pray for them because we have the mind of Christ and we can look at them and we should be able to understand exactly where they're coming from. Instead of going, why can't they just get it right? Well, they can't get it right. That's the point. They cannot get it right. They cannot understand it. But you have the mind of Christ. Let's all stand. And you can pray. And you can intercede. And you can discern what's happening in the world. And you have the Spirit from God inside of you that is praying and interceding the will of God always. Instead of us throwing stones at the world, we need to be praying and interceding for the world because they cannot do what we have been given the power and the ability to do, and that is to discern all things. Amen? Father, I ask you today that you would give us an understanding of these truths. That, Lord, we have the mind of Christ. If we are born again of the Spirit of God, we have the mind of Christ. We have the power and the ability to discern what the world cannot discern. Lord, help us to walk in that truth. Help us to understand and have grace and have compassion toward those who cannot understand. God, help us to be a people that would look at them in their inability to discern the things of the Spirit. Let us be a people that would pray for them, that would intercede for them, that would cry out to the very throne of God because the only hope they have is not in our ability to convince them to believe something. The only hope they have is in the power of the Spirit to move on them and to bring them to faith and to cause them to be born again. And Lord, you have not chosen to do that apart from your people, apart from our declaring, apart from our witnessing. Help us to be a people of discernment, God, walking in your grace and your power with your heart and with your love. Convict our hearts, God. And move on us by your spirit, I pray. Before we close, I want to do something. I want to pray for Cindy. Can we pray for you? Can we gather around Cindy? Cindy didn't get a good report this week. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't matter what man says. Those things affect us. It would be foolish to say, it doesn't really matter what the doctor says, Cindy. God's in control. Well, you know, when the doctor says, uh, basically, you're not going to make it apart from a miracle, and you're feeling like it might not be as long as you thought it was, those things have an effect on us. But I know something about this woman here. She knows that God has the final say. And there is not anything too difficult for God, uh, cancer uh, being the least of which. So, Father in heaven, 
I thank you for Cindy. I thank you for her faith, her great faith, God. I thank you for her wisdom, God. And Lord, she knows and I know that, Lord, her faith and her wisdom didn't come from her. It came from you. And her trust is in you. Father, we are trusting and believing, doing all that can be done in the natural. Because you give us that wisdom, God. And we recognize that, Lord, anything that brings health and healing to us, Lord, those things don't come from the enemy. They come from you. And we're thankful for them. God, we know ultimately what is going to determine whether we live or die, whether we have cancer or not. Lord, it's you. You've numbered the days that we'll live on this earth. You've numbered and you've determined everything. And so, Father God, we come to you understanding that. We come to you asking in faith, knowing that you already know the answer. You already know the outcome of all things. But Lord, we still come and we still pray and we still believe because we don't know the answer and we don't know the outcome of everything. But we trust you, Lord. And we ask you, God, that you would move in this body, in this physical body, God. That you would move by your spirit and by your power and that you would cast out of this body every cell of cancer that's growing in this body. That you would cause every cell that you created to function in a normal and in a healthy way, God, just to rise up and begin to fight off this cancer. That, Lord, you would do a miracle in this body that you would turn around, Lord, the diagnosis that the doctors have uh, pronounced over Cindy, that you would cause this cancer, Lord, to be gone, that you would cause this body to be healed. We ask it, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. We don't come in our own name. We don't come with anything, God. We come by the blood of Jesus. We come in the grace of God. We come knowing we don't deserve anything from you, God. But you've been so good and so gracious, and you've freely given us all things in your Son. And we ask today, God, for healing to be granted to this daughter of Abraham, God, that you would touch her and heal her and strengthen her. And I pray, Father, for her husband. Lord, I know if she could choose... Black's salvation or her healing. Lord, there's no question. There's no question in her mind what she would choose. Lord, we're asking for both. We're asking for Black's salvation. And we're asking for Cindy's healing, Father God. You are more than able to do both of those. We ask you, God, to heal. To heal in every sense of the word. Spiritually, emotionally, and physically. In Jesus' name, to, to God be the glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. I love you. Now, Father, we thank you for the food next door. It's too late to go eat anywhere else in town. So, Father, we just thank you for all the good food we're going to have here. Let it be blessed. Let it be nourishing to our bodies. Bless our fellowship, Father. Be glorified as the body of Christ is built up in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Go next door and eat. I promise it's ready. If anybody needs, wants prayer, please come.